Well, hello. Welcome back to Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. This is episode 24 of the podcast, and today I will be interviewing Jenny, a heroin addict in long-term recovery. But before we get started, just a quick reminder that the podcast is now available on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where we have been from the start. So, welcome to any new listeners on those platforms. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast after you give it a chance. It really does help. In other news, I got tons of positive feedback about last week's episode featuring my interview with Mo. Uh, So much positive feedback that Mo and I are trying to work out a way to get him involved in the podcast on a semi-regular basis. Uh, So stay tuned for more on this exciting development. I also wanted to share one message uh, that I received from someone in the audience after he listened to that interview with Mo last week. He wrote, I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed the episode. And by enjoyed, I mean that it was a wake-up call to my own habits. Going to try to make a pivot on it. Thank you for that. Well, needless to say, this is the kind of feedback and messages that, that remind me exactly why I produced this podcast and why I wrote my book. Hearing other addicts and alcoholics tell the stories of their addiction and their recovery can be incredibly powerful. These stories often provide inspiration and hope to people who are still out there struggling, um, usually alone. I know I clung to stories like these in my early recovery, and that made all the difference for me. So I'm going to continue to provide a platform for stories like Moe's and like Jenny's today, stories of strength and resilience and hope. It's the least I can do to pay it forward. And finally, before we move on, I want to shout out uh, three more cities that recently joined the Between the Lines listening audience. Welcome aboard to listeners in these three places that are definitely on my vacation wish list. San Francisco, California, Breckenridge, Colorado, and Brooklyn, New York. Thanks for listening. I hope you keep coming back. Well, that should take care of all the necessary housekeeping. Uh, It's time to get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. So this is the good news. The good news is brought to you by OnStage. OnStage is a theater outreach and audience development program in colleges in and around Minneapolis, St. Paul. OnStage uses teaching artists to facilitate in-class discussions, courageous conversations, about relevant social, political, and cultural topics that bubble up in plays currently running in local theaters. What an incredibly worthwhile mission. To learn more about it, or to make a donation to the cause, check them out at onstagemn.org. That's onstagemn.org. Tell them Jay sent you. It won't help, but it will make me feel special. The good news story this week comes from The Guardian, where it was reported that an anonymous man in the U.S. walked into the Turkish embassy and donated 
$30 million to the victims of the recent earthquake. The U.S. resident is a businessman from Pakistan, but he has chosen to remain anonymous. Uh, But regardless of who this guy is or where he's from, uh, what a powerful example of the kindness, generosity, and compassion that do, in fact, exist in this world. So uh, that was inspired me for sure. I found it uh, heartwarming and um, definitely inspired some hope um, for the world. And that was the good news. Now let's get to the interview already. As I have already mentioned, my guest today is Jenny. I had never met Jenny uh, before today, but I have been hearing about her for years. If you remember my old friend, Glenn, uh, who I interviewed way back in episode two, you may also remember him talking about his brother, Tom, who passed away after a decades-long battle with addiction. Well, Jenny was Tom's wife uh, or girlfriend or partner in crime for almost all of those years. And Jenny was pregnant with their second child and in rehab for heroin addiction when Tom passed away. And against all odds, Jenny has remained clean ever since. She's coming up on four years now, uh, maybe next week or the week after is her her four-year mark. Um, And if her strength and resilience do not inspire you, then you weren't listening very carefully. So pay attention. I will let her tell the rest of her story. Um, So without further ado, let me introduce you to Jenny. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, Jay. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to come on the show today. I know you are uh, quite a busy person um, with kids and work yeah. and all that. I know I know it's not easy, um, and it means a lot to me that you're willing to give up some of that valuable time to be here today. Well, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, thanks. Um, all right. Well, let's just jump right in um, and start from the beginning. I just want to hear your story. Um so why don't we just start with, uh, you know, where you're drinking or drug use, like how did it start? When did it start? All that kind of stuff. Take us all the way back to the, to the beginning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, I tried weed at 13 and then I did, I didn't try it again until 15. And then pretty much at 15, I started smoking every day and I still smoke to this day every day. Um, Harder drugs, I would say I started experimenting in high school with cocaine and acid and mushrooms. Um, I did a lot of acid in high school. Um, I did a good amount of cocaine. And then after high school, I met my future husband, Tom, and we started um, doing powder cocaine. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where it was like, it was too expensive. So we went to the cheaper form, which was crack, right. and started smoking crack. 
And then that continued for a while. And in the meantime, I had tried heroin one time with my girlfriends when I was 17. We each uh, shared a line. We each did a bump. And it didn't do anything for me. I didn't care one way or the other for it. Right. Um, I, um, at, after a couple of years of smoking crack, we got what we thought was crack and when we got it and put it in the pipe and smoked it, he was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't right. And he's, he looked at it and he's like, oh, well, I know what this is. This is blows, which meant heroin. Right. We're supposed to do this after we smoked to help us come down. And I was right. like, oh, okay. So we, we did rocks and then we would buy rocks and blows and do the rocks first, smoke those and then do the blows to come down, snort it. And right. we were like, well, it's okay. As long as we just snort it, then it's not a problem. Then it's right. okay. So we did that for a little while, maybe six to nine months. And then this guy moved in next door and he was like, oh no, you're missing out. You got to shoot it just one time, just one time. Just try it once because you're missing out. You don't even know what you're missing. Yeah. So Tom was like, okay. So he tried it and he was like, oh my God, this is so great. I love it. You have to try it. And I tried it. And then that was it. Um, Pretty much for the most part, that was the way we would do it from that point on. And we did it probably for the better part of 20 years. Yeah, not many people just just do that once, huh? Right. (laughs) Just do it once. You would have been the only person ever. (laughs) One one is too many. Yeah, 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 that's a fact. So when do you think you realize, um, okay, I think this is not just uh, recreational or just for fun, like maybe... I or we, you and time, maybe we have a, a real problem. When was that moment? Um, it was like all of a sudden we would like get sick if we didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So that was like an aha moment. Like, oh shit, I know what we need. I know why I feel like this. I know what this is. We just need to get our medicine and then we'll be okay. Yep. So we're like, oh, it's just medicine. Yeah. Um, and then that's that dangerous, uh, you know, downward spiral from there where you have downward to have all of our money. Like, like I, w- I, I worked, he worked sometimes I usually worked. And then when I stopped working, I got on disability and like, I always paid the rent. I always paid the bills and then whatever money we had left over would all go towards drugs. Yeah. Yep. You know, like I would sell my link card. I would go to food pantries to get food so that I could use my link card to sell to this lady so I could get cash for drugs, you know, everything. Yeah, it's that constant struggle to find enough money to get what you need. And, you know, and then ju- that's just for that day. And then you go start over the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. Go ahead. One winter, we, we were like, we can go shoveling and make money to get our blow but let's go to the dealer first and tell him can you give us one each so we have the strength to go shovel to make money for our blow and he did it so we got the money we or we got the dope we did it and then we went and shoveled we made a lot more money came and brought it all back to him yeah yeah that's how it works man that is that's crazy i uh shoveling for money nowadays but i'm not spending it on drugs anymore <laughs> right right it's so money like, i remember I wouldn't have money to buy shampoo and toothpaste or pads. I would have to steal it all. So I was like the best thief from Jewel or Walgreens or wherever. I could steal whatever I needed. 
and yep. I would get whatever I needed and make sure we had toothpaste and shampoo and deodorant. But um, all our money went to drugs. All our well, money. So then when did it um, start creating bigger problems as far as, um, you know, getting caught up in, in uh, you know, with legal issues and stuff like that? Did you have any of those? Well, like, right away, like right away, Tom got in trouble with the law all the time. He was in and out of jail, back and forth, back and forth. One time he had to go for a year and he did a year in Cook County Jail. Um, I never went to jail. He always took the rap for me. I, I, I never went to jail for drugs. I never been arrested for that or anything. Um, I was very, very lucky. Um, but he always would try to go to rehab for 28 days and try to get clean and then come out and use right away. Yeah. And it would, you know, a couple of times I tried to go for 28 days and it was like one of us would go and try and the other one wouldn't. And then we would come home and the other one would use it and the other one wouldn't, you know, we would go back and forth. We couldn't get clean together. Yeah, right. Especially if it's not at the same time. Our toxicity. We just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I I really believe that in in most cases, 28 days isn't enough anyway. Absolutely Uh, not. Especially with opiates. I think uh, it's got to be longer than that. And at the very least, you got to have outpatient right afterwards uh, where you're still doing it. 28 days gets you clean, but it doesn't get you sober. You know, like it doesn't, you're not doing anything. It gets it out of your system, but your, your like behavior and your thinking hasn't changed. I don't think uh, at that point. Um, So then uh, now um, eventually, so I actually, you know, I only met Tom once. It was right right after he got out of a a long stint to Cook County and uh, we we really hit it off. I, I thought he was such a great, Aww. Great guy, and, and man, he had such a positive attitude for for someone who had been through so much and just got out of out of Cook County Jail. Um, you know, he was full of stories, and he was talking to me about helping him write a book about his life. And um, yeah, I, I'm really I'm really glad I had a, I had a chance to meet him. Um, good, me too. Uh, he, he's a good good dude. Um, so I, sadly, right? So I know the audience knows. We remember talking about this with with Tom's brother on a, a different episode, but, um, you know, so he passed away, um, yeah. about four years ago. Yeah. Right. March 24, 2019. Right. And I was six months pregnant with Matthew and I right. had someone with me and I was at the woman's treatment center and I talked to him that day and he was like, you know, I'm not feeling good. Can I call you back? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Me and Simone said goodbye. And an hour later he passed away. And so it was re- like related to his drug use. Yeah, the, the what he had, well, heart- he, he had he had been diagnosed with congestive heart failure two weeks prior. Mm-hmm. So that's why he died. But congestive heart failure. I mean, his grandma had that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's hereditary, but I'm sure that the drugs exasperated yeah. it and made yeah. it worse and made him have organ problems. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah years of, of that kind of drug of use. Abuse right yeah, good for your for your heart right right um and you were pregnant and and uh yeah and so uh that's about you know the terrible 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 thing to to have to face uh while you're pregnant and yeah. um but you you were in rehab at the time i was in rehab at the time and they they asked me they were like well what do you want to do like are you going to stay or do you want to go and i was like oh no I, i'm staying yeah, i need to be right here 
Yeah, that's a that was a great decision. You know, like yeah. obviously you are in huge danger if you're not in rehab at that point. Um, that'd be about the scariest, hardest time to to not use there could be. Um, yeah. And then, how long did you stay in that in that rehab center? Almost six months. Wow. I had my baby. I I finished my pregnancy. I got on methadone. Like they they want you to get on methadone, so I did that. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I had the baby, I, I weaned down off the methadone. I weaned the baby off through my breast milk. I weaned him off. No, he had no symptoms, no side effects. He was born healthy. Thank God he was born perfect. Um, we, I had a C-section just like I had planned and um, came back, finished my program. And then I went to my sister's house in Cicero for a month. And then she helped me get into a housing program and I got into a housing program in Cicero for low-income families. Wow. And I got my own place. That is, I mean, what an incredible story. And you've been sober yeah. ever since. And I've been sober ever since, yeah. Wow. I mean, that is like, as you well know, um, you know, that's an, you're, you're the, the exception to the rule, you know? Right. I'm a miracle, and I know it. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm appreciative of it. I'm grateful. Yeah, I mean, it's and and uh, you know, just seeing the the you know you make that you know such a a tremendous turnaround um, at, at such an important time with two little kids, one new baby, um, you know how how lucky they are too, you know. Right, right. You know, that's when when Tom passed, it just snapped in my brain, and it was like, okay, I got to do it because these kids need me now. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have him. Now it's just me. I have to do it. Yeah, it can't be one or the other. You're the only one left, you know? Right. I'm the only one left. I got to do it now. Now yeah. I got two. I, you know, Matthew was a surprise. Simone was a, a miracle and a blessing. And Matthew was a wonderful surprise. Yeah. So now I have two kids. So, I, you know, I was like, I got to step up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sure have. Um, Thank you. So what, what's your, your, those four years, what did they look like as far as your recovery? What's your recovery? What do you do for your recovery yeah. nowadays? So, okay. Like, well, I've been like, throughout the four years, I've been like here and there, I'll try different churches, things like that. But last year I graduated a year long, um, job training and healing program, um, called Salt and Light Coalition. And it's for women in Chicago that have either been um, in domestic violence situations, um, drug abuse, um, sex trade, anything like that. It's it's strictly for women, and it's um, it's it's like they 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 teach you how to heal and how to forgive yourself and love yourself, and it's also a little spiritual, a little bit about God. You know, they don't force anything on you or anything like that, right. but. Um, that helped me a lot. It got me a lot of support and it helped me get back into the workforce. I have a job now and I'm working part-time for a corporate office and I haven't worked in over 10 years. And like, when I looked at the job description for my job, it was talking about like a bachelor's and everything. And like, geez, I only graduated high school, but because I was in this program, these people gave me a chance, you know, and like doing the next right thing really benefits me. Um, good things happen to me because I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's how I've come to think of it too. Is you can't think too far down the road. You just got to do the next right thing, and right. if you keep doing that, then good things start to happen. You know, that's just 
that's how, that doesn't always happen. Like every day you do something good and then something good happens to you. But if you keep doing the next right thing, it's bound to turn around. And, and then when you start yeah. seeing the results, uh, then it gets easier and easier to keep doing the right thing. Right. Absolutely. Um, so how about uh, how has your recovery, do you think, like affected the other you know, relationships in your life besides you and your kids, okay. like other relationships, friends, family, stuff like that? Um, it's, it's, it's tremendous. It has opened doors to relationships. It has brought back trust. Like my parents trust me again. Like I used to steal from them. I stole my mom's debit card. I took their money. Like, you know, I would lie to them to get money, everything. Um, they trust me now. They trust me to give the dog his, his barbiturate or benzo or whatever it is medication that before five years ago, I would have taken, I would take it. I would have stole it and ate it myself but now i give it to the dog because it's for the dog and that's what you're supposed to do yeah you don't yep. hard anymore like i swear god lifted the obsession from me i'm not obsessed with drugs anymore at all like god took that away i mean that's that that's what it is it really is an obsession of the mind and then that that right. when you can finally get to the point you go oh god at least i'm not thinking about it every minute and then uh maybe right. not every day and then you realize god i'm barely ever thinking about it yeah um, it's really, it's such a relief, right? Just such a weight right. off your shoulders. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's amazing. I think that's a great message for people to hear too, that I know that I thought that, and I know that, that neither of us are alone in this, that when we first uh, get clean, we just don't think that anyone will ever trust us again. You know, right. we've lied so much and stolen and done all kinds of deceitful things that we think like, I'm never gonna get their trust back. But the truth is you, you do. If you keep doing it, you know, sometimes it takes longer than others. And with some people, it right. takes longer than others. But you will, especially with the people who love you and parents and family and stuff like that. You know, it, it'll come around, you know, if, if you keep, you know, being an honest person, then they'll they'll see that pattern. Yeah, and they do. They do, you know, and they see that, like, you know, when I, I was on disability, um, I was in my active addiction and they the court like knew about it so they were like well you have to have a payee so my mom had to be my payee and make sure that like I spent money on my bills and everything like that and then like after I got sober my mom was like well I think it's time for you to be your own payee I see you handle your money responsibly and you do everything you're supposed to why should I be on there anymore you you can do this and that was like an awesome like that was like a huge thing for me you know I was like yay yeah for myself yeah Yep. Um, yeah, that's a huge one when you slowly start being, you know, being able to take over your own life again and uh, right. hold yourself accountable instead of having other people hold us accountable. Right. Um, do you have any uh, like struggles in recovery these days? Do you have like, you know, days where you're feeling like you get cravings or uh, just something kind of triggers the, you know, some sort of memories of the, of the, the old days in your active addiction? You know what? To be honest, um, I have not had a, had a craving for it um, ever. I've never had a craving for it. Um, like, I recently quit cigarettes January 1st, Ugh. and I craved a cigarette the other day. I didn't smoke, but I craved it, and I thought about it, and I said it out loud, and then it passed, and that was that. But I swear God completely lifted it from me. Like, I don't, it, it turns me off to think about it. Like, to That's think about great. how I used to chase it so hard and like that's all I thought about that's all I cared about in order to go to Thanksgiving at my parents house I had to go get glow first 
In order yep. to go to my sister on her birthday for Christmas Day, I had to go get dope first. In order to see whoever, I had to go get dope first. You know, that was my life. And now I wake up and I have a cup of coffee and I'm good to go. <laughs> that's a lot easier and a lot cheaper yeah. too. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's such. It's just so great to to hear that. It really is a. You know, it reminds me. Um, you know, what a horrible, horrible way to live. You know, to yeah. to have to be constantly, you know, trying to make sure you're okay to go do the next thing, um, and then in the meantime, you're feeling like shit about it. You know, like inside it's like the, the shame and guilt of living like that is just eating you away and that just feeds the addiction too and um, I, re I remember one time it was really bad i i used during both my pregnancies and yeah. after i had simone i was still using and so was he and he had like untreated mental health illness um and i remember thinking to myself I'm never going to get clean. I'm always, I'm going to die an addict. Like maybe I should kill my baby and kill myself so that we don't have to suffer here anymore. And I thought, I can't do that. I can't do it. But I thought about it. It went yeah. through my mind. And like, I have such guilt now for thinking that way and like thinking that there was no hope, but I was like so hopeless. At yeah. That time. I mean, I think that that's uh that's thank you for saying that. and that's such an honest thing for you to, to share and um it's important for 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 people to hear that too that that's how low it gets that you yeah got so low that those thoughts came to your mind and uh i mean there, there isn't there isn't a you know a worse place to be than having those thoughts but you didn't do it and uh right. you know you you bounced out of there uh eventually and got to where you are now but uh what a like a, a like an awful feeling that must that must have been like like that it's just not worth it and to even you know for for your ch child um yeah my baby you know oh uh, yeah i mean that's that's a that's a perfect example of how low and how dark it can get you know in the, really in the got, yeah addiction um oh wow well let's let's get a little more positive okay. <laughs> that's a hard one <laughs> so uh tell me something like tell me like an important lesson like maybe or like right now if you had to think of the most important lesson you've learned through your recovery um either about yourself or about the world or whatever like what what's like the big message that you've taken away from this so far um if you work for it it's possible if you want it and if you work for it it's not it's not easy it's not easy because in the beginning when i was in rehab i i wanted it I wanted it. I still wanted it. And I was mad and I didn't want to be there. And it took mm -hmm. for Tom to die to change me. And if you want it and you work for it, it's hard work. But if you work for it, you can have it. You can have whatever you want. You can have the life of your dreams. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge um, thing that people need to know. It is possible. It feels impossible in the moment. Like right. people, I mean, I remember just going through the steps because that's what I was supposed to do, but I didn't believe it was going to work. You know, I, I I always thought like, oh, this will keep me good for a little while, get people off my back, and right. then. Uh, but I know where I'm going to end up back doing the same thing. Right. Um, but it is possible. I mean, that's like the whole point of um, why uh, why I do this podcast or, or 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 wrote my book. It's to tell people, to show people evidence of it being possible. Someone like you who's been through what you've been through, um, uh, you know, in the darkest places, and and here you are, just like thriving uh four years 
uh, later is, I mean, that's the story that people need to hear to see if you can right. do it, but that it's not easy, right? Like you said, it's it not takes easy. A lot. No, you yeah. have to work hard. You have to really work hard. And I'll tell you what, the first six months when I was in that treatment center, they made us go to AA meetings, NA meetings, all that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you what, it helped me in the beginning. It helped me to hear those positive words and to think that way they're thinking. Um, all that helped. All the support helped. Yeah, I think that's huge. Like hearing the your peers, you know, hearing other people. And that's what AA is good for me for it too. It's just like getting in a room with a bunch of people who, who've been there and that some of them ahead of you who are seeing this, you know, the, the, the positive outcomes of it, if you do it right. right. You know, I want to be where that guy is. Uh, you yeah. know, somewhere down the road. So I'm going to listen to him. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's great. I mean, I think what you, you know, given us here is, is hope. And that's the big, that's the big uh, message that I want people to take away is, is that there is hope. And, and like you said, you felt, you've, felt as hopeless as you could feel um but uh now you have uh nothing but good things and big smile on your face and um you know beautiful happy kids and and a job and you know responsibility and the trust of your family and friends yeah and, um you know it's night and day obviously um absolutely a total 180 yep and i and i think that that's you know that you're gonna you're gonna make an impact on, on people who hear this i, I know that yeah. I pray. I only pray. Um, all right. The last two things I like to do uh, uh, are first, um, give you a chance to to be an influencer for my audience to tell us something, recommend something that you've been watching or reading or listening to. It doesn't have to, you know, it could be related to anything, not recovery related necessarily, just okay. something that, you, that you've been into lately. Um. Nothing. I, I'm so boring. <laughs> I haven't been watching or reading or listening to anything. Um, You're too busy for that. My kids keep me so busy. And then in my free time, I'm like cooking and cleaning and then my boyfriend. So yeah. Um, All right. You don't, <laughs> no, no shame in that. Sorry. Too busy. No, yeah, no, no, no problem. You, I bet you're watching a bunch of uh, like, uh, I don't know, what, what, what shows do your, your kids watch? Like, uh, Gosh, they like this show called Octonauts. They like this show called Miraculous. <laughs> Netflix. They, my go. son is obsessed with Hulk right now. So anything with Hulk or Spider-Man is good. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I bet you get a lot of that. I, I, yeah, I don't miss yeah. those days. <laughs> um, all right. And then lastly, before we go, I like to wrap it up with um, some kind of gratitude, like I try to do every night. And in the morning when I wake up, just something to, you know, remind me of uh, how lucky I am. So I'll, I'm going to let you start and just tell us about something that you're feeling grateful for today. Um, I'm grateful to have my kids. I'm so grateful because a lot of women in, in my situation, they don't have their kids. And it's so unfortunate. And I feel so blessed and so honored and so lucky. And I take it very seriously. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful to be their mother oh, and I get yes. to raise them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good thing to, to remember too. Yeah. That a lot of, a lot of people lose their, their kids in, in situations right. like ours. You know? That's a good reminder. Um, well, I'm today feeling uh, grateful for old photos. I love looking through old pictures, uh, like, like yeah. photo albums or on my phone or whatever it is. I'm like, uh, and even, you know, sometimes looking back at things that aren't great memories, but just being able to remember them. Um, I think I can be a pretty nostalgic uh, person. 
um, maybe painfully nostalgic, but I love it. I love I love looking back and thinking about the old days. Aww, I do too. That's fun. Yeah. Especially with kids now, we can look at, you know, just looking at the baby pictures and watching them grow up. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yes. Um, all right, Jenny, that should just about do it. Thanks again for, for coming on today. I really, really enjoyed our talk and um, good luck in your continued recovery. You obviously, keep, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. It's, it's working. And, um, and hopefully, uh, you know, some people are going to hear this and, and follow your lead. I hope so. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Jenny for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about her experience um, in addiction and in her recovery. I have no doubt that Jenny's story will have a positive impact on just about everybody who hears it. Um, I know I found Jenny's strength and resilience truly inspirational. Uh, If you too learned something or enjoyed what you heard today, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple podcasts or any of the other platforms where the, where the podcast is now available. It only takes a minute and it really does help um, new people find the show. And if you write a review, I may even read it right here on the podcast next week. If you would like to go a step further in helping to support my effort to destigmatize addiction and to spread kindness, positivity, and hope, feel free to click the support the podcast link in the episode notes. Also, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or about my book that you would like to share with me, or if you would like to be a future guest on the podcast, please feel free to drop me a note at between the lines memoir at gmail.com. Or just spread the word, tell a friend if you have one, or if you're short on friends, go tell a bunch of strangers. Even better, share this episode on uh, whatever social media outlet you prefer. Most of all, thanks to each and every one of you for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my Uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya. See ya.